Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. I want to say continuing the classics. I'm glad I have your blessing to continue. The title of today's message is real simple, nothing creative or amazing or outlandish. It is Moses and his mentor. Did you know many would agree that Moses was the greatest prophet of the Old Testament? I mean, you study the story of Moses, and it was fantastic from the start. Scripture says that Pharaoh and his minions were killing the Hebrew boys, or they were supposed to be. They were trying to, right? That was the, the Egyptian order was to kill all the Hebrew males, all right? And Moses' mom, she noticed he was a special boy when he was born. I don't know if he was beautiful. I don't know if he was just special or he was glowing. I don't know. But she knew something was special about him. So they made a little basket and put him in the Nile River, right? So Moses' sister had had put um, Moses' sister and his mom had put Moses in the Nile River, and the the princess of Egypt discovered him. He must have been a cute baby. She said, "It's one of the Hebrew babies." At the time when they were, the order was to kill the Hebrew boys. She kept him and raised him in Pharaoh's palace, the most powerful nation in the world at that time. Well, Moses went on, and I'm sure. He was an interesting guy. He was intelligent. I'm sure at some point he thought he was pretty amazing. Why? Because he was raised in Pharaoh's palace, right? So, I mean, you're raised for 40 years in the palace. You're going to have a high opinion of yourself, <laughs> for better or for worse, okay? So he was probably a little more than confident. At one point, he must, Scripture doesn't explain it, but he understood that he was Hebrew, even though he was adopted by the Pharaoh's family. He was the royal family, but he was adopted. He knew he was Jewish. He was Hebrew. At one point, he saw an Egyptian and a Hebrew arguing, and he stepped in and he killed the Egyptian. Well, at that point, he had to flee for his life into the desert. He fled. He met uh, a man and his, his daughters. He met his daughters first at a well, actually. He ended up marrying one of the daughters. And he married into a family, and he was out in the desert for 40 years. Someone say 40 years. 40 years. So I'm sure God was working on him those 40 years in the desert. Do you ever feel that way in Hobbes? Yesterday you said, God is working on me in the desert. The dust blew up your nose, blew down your shirt. If you're chewing gum, you're chewing on dirt. It's crazy. And it's, we're in an exceptional drought, so we're believing God for rain. Somebody say amen. But we are in the desert. It's been proving itself, hasn't it? has its own personality. I think the gusts yesterday were easily 50-plus miles an hour. Just blowing dust and messed my hair all up. So, I mean, I know y'all were stressed out about your hair. So it just kind of blows right over the little bit of hair I got right there. just blows right over it. But it's been crazy out in the desert. The desert works on you. Well, Moses had gone to the desert. And while he was in the desert, it's interesting. I'm led to believe scripturally that the time spent with his father-in-law, scripture says his his father-in-law-to-be gave him one of his daughters, said, man, I like you. You can have one of my girls. You know, that's a big deal, right? When a dad goes, you can have my daughter, right? That's going to be a big deal one day. Jonathan has a daughter, and poor baby, she's going to have to get, someday when she gets married, when she's 58 or 60, a senior citizen, right? We're just old men. It, it, she's going to have to get approval from Jonathan and me and dad and Ephraim, right? And all the women, too, so, man, I don't know. But this guy gave his daughter to Moses, and Scripture leads me to believe that at that point he became someone who could speak into Moses' life. 
And you'll find out why as we read. Let's go to Exodus chapter 18, verse 13. Exodus 18, 13. We're going to read through this, and we'll take a break at some point, like I've been doing. Lately, I've just, it's been hard to fudge with this. I have to read through the whole story. And it's some verses, but I think you're going to enjoy it. So look at Exodus 18, 13. Jethro, I think one of his names in the Bible is Jethro and Reuel. All right, this was Moses' father-in-law, had just arrived. And then scriptures, they, they blessed each other, Moses and his father-in-law. And the next day, someone say the next day. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. Now I'm going to speak for Hispanics now because I am of mixed origin. Can you imagine a bunch of Mexicanos out in the desert together? Six million of them? No, just no. Imagine with me, if you will. Living together in the desert. Number one, the desert puts some people in a bad mood. It hurts you, some of y'all's feelings when the dust blows out here, right? Some of you are like, I just feel grumpy, man. The dust blew up my nose. And I mean, I've had days where I blew my nose and it was brownish from being out in the dust, right? Working in the yard or whatever. So imagine people of any kind in the desert. We think about six million of them in the desert. Would they get into arguments, you think? He was looking at my lady. You know, I don't know. She was looking at my man. He was looking at my man. I mean, who knows? Out in the desert with the dust. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. Does that sound fun? Out in the desert. It doesn't. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Look at the power of this man to speak to Moses. If you read in previous verse, verses, Moses explained to him all the amazing judgments that God brought in Egypt through him and for the people of Israel. So basically Moses said, look at all the miracles God did. And Moses was humble. But he said, look at all the plagues that he brought and everything we did. God would tell us to do something else and we'd do it and God would act and we'd turn the river with God's, God did it and we'd turn the river into blood. Can you imagine all this stuff? After all that, the father-in-law, he had a place to speak into Moses' life after Moses was already proving himself as the greatest prophet, you've, one, if not one of, the greatest prophet you've ever heard of. His father-in-law says, what are you really accomplishing here? I know God did all this great stuff, but right here, right now, why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Can you imagine that? That would be stressful. Moses replied, right? A good man, meek, humble, wise. Because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. This guy would speak to God. He would speak to God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. One man with six million people. <laughs> Incredible. This is not good, Jethro said. What a name. Someone say Jethro. I think it was the name of one of the Beverly Hillbillies, wasn't it? Jethro? Those of you who know the, your TV history. You're going to wear yourself out. And the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Wow. Now listen to me, and let me give you a word of advice. 
and may God be with you. Interesting. I need to tell people that when I give them advice. Listen to me. Let me give you some advice, and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God. That's great. Bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, somebody say, but. Yeah, but, do, keep doing what you're doing, but select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. You can't have someone who's greedy up there as a judge, right? You might say, man, slip me a $50 bill and I'll vote in your favor. All right, no. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. Somebody say 10. 22, verse 22, they should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. I love how his father-in-law did not lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. He'd probably never even seen that many miracles in his life, if one or two. And he spoke to him with such authority and said, if you'll listen to this, you will do well, the country will do well, and everybody will go home in peace. He must have known that he had access to Moses' heart, right? Moses' humility, Moses' willing spirit. Moses listened. Somebody say, Moses listened. The greatest prophet in the Old Testament, man, there were pillars of fire and clouds, and, and there was a pillar of fire and a cloud to shade them during the day, and they'd just come through the Red Sea and all this different stuff, and man, all the plagues in Egypt, and God protected Israel, and this staff had turned into a snake, and it turned back into a staff, and the rivers were turned to blood. Are you getting my point here? There's no reason for you to not listen to someone in authority who can speak into your life to make it better. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. It never says that he went, well, how many times have you led the people of God out of Israel? I mean, out of Egypt. How many times has your staff turned into a snake and ate the other staffs? How many times have you called down lightning and thunder and hail and how many times did god wipe out the firstborn of a, a warring nation a, a, an ancient nation for you and your people no it says he listened to him and immediately he put this plan into effect somebody say immediately he chose capable men from all over israel and appointed them as leaders over the people he put them in charge of groups of a thousand one hundred fifty and ten these men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law, who returned to his own land. It's almost like God sent the father-in-law just to minister a word to Moses and his people. Amazing. My first point today is everybody needs some help. Somebody say everybody. Just like everybody struggles with pride, Remember last week? I thought some of y'all weren't going to come back today. Right? I got some looks last week like, man, Pastor Matt, please ease up. Have mercy. Mercy, right? God was dealing with me too, so be of good cheer. But everybody needs some help. Somebody say everybody needs some help. 
Sometime or another, everybody needs a mentor, a teacher, a leader, even Moses, the great miraculous prophet of the Old Testament, who spoke to God in person. At one point, Miriam, Moses' sister, who was a prophet as well, and Aaron was the first high priest of Israel. What a place of honor. Uh, he was the spokesman of Moses in Egypt. At one point, they came against Moses and said, we hear from God too and all this. And God said, I don't speak to y'all like I speak to Moses. Are y'all still with me? He said, I don't speak to y'all like I speak to Moses. We have a very special relationship, so don't mess with my man. Don't mess with him. This was Moses, and Moses, the great man of God, he needed help. Somebody say he needed help. Wow. You'd think he knew what was up because at this point he's over 80 years of age. He'd spent 40 years in the palace getting the best education the world had to offer at that point. And then he was in the desert 40 years getting the best education God in the desert had to offer. So he's 80 plus years of age and they were still he was still making he was making a mistake. Moses, the great man of God, but his mentor, his mentor, he spoke up. Man, if Moses needs some help. We need some help sometimes, don't we? I'm telling you right now, we do. Everybody, everybody needs some help. Well then, okay, you, say, you humbly say everybody needs help at some time to improve their life, to improve the way they deal with people, to, to prepare them for the next level. How about, how about somebody says the next level? This is very interactive today because I want everybody to participate. But did you know the next level is where you're going if you keep putting God first? Where is the next level? I don't know what it looks like exactly for all of you. Some of, some of the guys in my Bible study or some of my staff, God shows me hints here and there. Sometimes there'll be people in here, God will show me the next step for someone and I'll confirm it. But as a whole, I don't know what the next level is for you. Some people in here after last year, they were like, I know what it is, Pastor Matt. The next level for me is moving to Texas. I don't know. You got to hear from God. You got to hear from God. I don't know what the next level is, but you need help for the next level. Growing up, I, I had a unique up, upbringing. I'm the oldest of three. I was born into a pastor's home. Most of you know our story. Um, while I was still in my mother's womb, my dad was baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And mom was not long after that. It might have been after I was born. I don't know. But I was born into a gospel minister's home. I mean, my dad was a pastor already. My mom's dad had been a pastor already for many, many years. I was a generational believer at that point. Say, does that mean you're born saved? Oh, no. Everybody's conceived in sin, and you've got to, you say, well, even if your parents were married? Well, Scripture just means that at some point, you need to accept Jesus, because only the blood of Jesus can save you. But I was born into a great Christian home. I don't remember a time in my life where we did not speak about Jesus. I don't remember that. I know none of us. We were just born into that. What a great legacy. And I had to grow and decide and make my mistakes and run from the ministry. Everybody who's been called to the ministry knows that they run from it. That proves that you're called to the ministry. I feel like that's one of the proofs that you're going to be a, a great pastor one day. I ain't going to be nothing. I'll, I'll, I'll accept Jesus. I already did. I'm walking right, and I'm going to make money and give that to the kingdom of God, right? I'm going to go do my own thing. The first thing I ever wanted to be when I was four years of age was a man of God, like my dad. 
I wanted to be more of a missionary, though, but I was four years of age saying, I'm going to preach. They took me to piano lessons, said, you're going to preach and be able to play the piano. I went to one lesson, told the teacher, who was my kindergarten teacher, I was five, I said, if you can't teach me at all today, I'm not coming back. <laughs> and I never did. I kept my word. I'm a man of my word. That was in 1981. I've never gone back to another piano lesson. All right. But I was raised in a home with great parents, and I had some built-in mentorship. Dads, dads, you, you should be your parents' father, earthly father, and you should do a good job of that with God's help. But you're also called to be their spiritual father. And many times people don't have that, and I understand that. I'm talking to people in church now. But I'm called to be a spiritual father as well, even though you say, man, you don't have kids. Yeah, but I was raised right. Got a lot of spankings, man. A lot of spankings. And when those stopped working, you know, it stopped hurting. You know what I'm saying? I was about sixth grade. They said, you can't talk on the phone for a week. What? I got people that got to reach me. I got, I'm networking. I'm working out stuff. You're networking. Like, what kind of companies? I don't know, but it's males and females that got to call me at the house. It's sixth grade. We're working it out. What'd you get for number seven on your social studies homework? We called history social studies here in junior high. Um, what'd you get, right? But through all that, I'm telling you all this to say this. I, it was a learning experience. So I was raised in a Christian home, and I have the distinct privilege, and it doesn't always work out this way. It doesn't. And not everybody's called for it to work out this way, but it turns out my dad was chosen by God to be my mentor. He and my mom were my teachers, but dad was called to be my mentor. And I'm going to tell you right now, there were some rough years. There were times that we bumped heads. There were times that I knew zero, and he knew way more than that, and I thought I knew way more than he did. You ever been there? It's funny how you think someone, they don't know how to use a computer like you or a phone like you, and you think they don't know nothing. But they done lived, honey child. It's a big difference between years and not so many years. There really are. And I've learned, I've learned, I've learned. And it's crazy. I'm able, the more I'm able to humble myself with my dad over the years, the more I'm able to receive. Dad will start to talk now, and here I am in my 40s, pushing into my mid-40s. And dad will start to talk sometimes. I'm like, you, would you say that again? <laughs> I'm going to teach that to the staff. I'm going to mention that Sunday morning. What? That's a revelation. Let me write that down. It's crazy what you can receive when you're humble. It's crazy. That's happened to me, man, over the years. I'm telling you. You say, man, are you getting in my business? No, I'm testifying right now. This is my testimony. Why does everybody need help? Point two. Because you've got to expect the unexpected in life. You're going to run into situations that you don't know what to do with. You ain't going to know what to do with them. You say, man, my mentors bought a house. I've never bought one before. They can help you with that. You may say, man, my mentor's not great in this area. Yeah, but your mentor can con connect you with the right people to help you if you ask. Same with a pastor, a leader, a teacher, a connect group uh, leader, a connect group host. Everybody's going to run into things that is a first for them. How many of you had been through a, a scamdemic before, before last year? Y'all missed that one, didn't you? How many of you had been through a pandemic, quote, unquote, before last year? Mm, not much. Maybe the flu season this, the flu season that. Oddly enough, they don't, they're not taking record of flu stuff anymore. Have you noticed that? 
Is that strange to y'all? Anyway, we're going to move on. But you're going to run into things that you've never experienced before. And that's why you need someone that can speak into your life. Normal life brings challenges. Strange, puzzling, unexpected. You and I need someone to help us with unique situations. And here's what's fascinating about the story of Moses and Jethro. Moses was a good leader. Would we agree? But I'm going to tell you right now, he wasn't a natural leader. He learned, and he was humble. But Jethro was a natural leader. Jethro walked into a situation he'd never seen before. You think Jethro had ever been confronted with six million people in the desert before? No. Jethro was a natural leader. He stepped into the situation and said, this don't make any sense. Someone say, this don't make no sense. Go ahead. I thank God for people. I remember reading a story when I was in elementary. I thank God for mentors. I remember reading a story in elementary that said the boy who didn't have common sense. He had a pail. He had a rope. He needed to go down and get water. So he, he put a ladder down into the well and climbed down carrying the pail so he could fill, up, fill it up with water. That doesn't make any sense. There was a rope. So you just send the pail down with the rope. But he didn't know how to do that. Right? In the same way, Jethro saw something he'd never seen before. And he says, what you're doing is not good. Let me give you some advice. And if you, if, if you feel led to do it, may God strengthen you to do so. But uh, if you listen to this, basically, y'all are going to do great. And God's going to bless you. Because this don't make no sense. You need help doing this. Jethro was a natural leader. Moses was a good leader, but Jethro was a natural leader. He saw a problem he'd never seen before. He saw a situation that had probably never been seen in history, and God gave him a solution for it. Isn't that interesting? Moses was humble enough to catch it. So you need to expect the unexpected in life. There's good leaders, there's terrible leaders, there's great leaders, and there's natural leaders. Some people just naturally got it in some areas. I'm going to tell you right now as a leader, growing up, I could get people to follow me, but I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> I was charming enough. People would do what I did. Matt's doing it. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a vision. I'm just like, okay, oh, I'm, a I'm natural this way. I, I, can, I can charm people into doing what I want or charm people into doing what I need to do or what I think is right, but, or I can divert people and say, hey, let's not do this. I remember back in the day, I'd, I'd tell guys, no, let's not do this, and they'd listen to me. But I, w I don't think I was a natural leader. I've had to learn a lot. Some ways it was, came more natural than others, but Jethro was a natural leader, and I say this again, Moses, the great man of God, was humble enough to say, wow, you're right. Verse by verse, according to that story, he started to implement what his mentor had said immediately. So you need to, you need to, why do you need some help? Why do you need a mentor? Because you need to expect the unexpected in life, and you need help there. Look at number three. I believe this. God has chosen a mentor for everyone. I don't know your life, but the problem is people reject a mentor that has been given them by God sometimes. I'm so glad I didn't do that. I'm so glad that God always spoke to me and I knew the word. I knew that, number one, and this is how I, I really settled that dad was my mentor, chosen by God, was I said, well, I've got to honor my parents so that I can live long. I don't want to die young. That sounds a little selfish, doesn't it? It's the only commandment with a promise, though. Exodus 20, you read out the Ten Commandments. And it's the only commandment with a promise. Honor your parents so that you may live long upon the earth. You say, man, my dad ain't my mentor. He's an alcoholic. You still need to honor him, though. 
Nothing in Scripture cancels out that commandment. Nothing. Someone say nothing. You are to honor your parents even if they're nutheads. Honor mom and dad. You treat them with respect. You say, oh, man, they don't. No, you treat them with respect. I've seen some of the greats that would honor their parents, and their parents were raised poor, didn't have much education, and the greats would go. I've seen it. I've seen it in my life. And they go to their parents and ask for advice and get wisdom and have their parents pray for them. And their parents live in a humble house, house, and they don't have much education. But because these folks honor their authority, God is able to flow through that authority and bring them a blessing. I've seen it over and over and over again. I have a natural, I've told you this before probably, I've testified of this, I have a natural tendency to be a know-it-all because I have a good memory. Natural tendency. But I humble myself on the daily. I will die a thousand deaths to make sure God can bless me how he wants to bless me. I'll say, no, I'm going to die to that. I'm going to die to that. I'm not going to keep that from blocking the blessing with pride. Uh Uh-uh. God has chosen a mentor for everyone, me included, you included. The right one, the right time, the right place. Guess what? You ready? When your attitude is right. You know how many guys I've had tell me, I want you to be my mentor. And I never heard from them much anymore after that. Or I heard from them, but when I brought up something and said, hey, I just want to give you a suggestion. I said, what? How do you know? You know why is it in the hood people do this when they get offended? You don't know me. Have you ever wondered that? Maybe you said that. God, forgive me. I hold my hands toward heaven and say, Lord, forgive me. But I wanted to slap the taste out of people's mouth for that statement. You don't know me. Well, nobody can get to know you, bonehead, because you won't humble yourself. Right? But you don't know me. Yeah, but I know something. It's funny. People have told me that before, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm twice as old as you. (laughs) So I know a little bit of something, even if I don't know you like you think I need to know you. Right? God has chosen a mentor for everyone. Someone say everyone. I don't know who that is. Is it a pastor? Is it, is it uh, a connect group leader? Is it one of your parents? I don't know. But everyone is called to have someone that they learn from. They learn from. A spiritual father or a spiritual mother. Okay? Everybody needs to learn. Someone say everybody needs to learn at some point. That's right. You don't want to wait till it's too late. You ever dealt with someone who was advanced in years and didn't learn much about stuff, and you're going, wait, you're still doing this? And then it, you know what happens in situations like that? Maybe you've seen this. Everybody around them is still trying to raise them, and they're older than everybody. You're just trying to help them, but they're still doing crazy stuff. They're 78, and they're still smoking dope. Like Willie Nelson's funky tale, right? On the road again, right? Like, man, still on the road? You're 80-something, still smoking weed. You ain't learned nothing. It's for my arthritis. But you started at 15. Come on, man. Come on. I just look dumb, right? (laughs) God has chosen a mentor for everyone, so you've got to be able to listen. The right one is nearby. Many times the mentor comes in a package that you weren't expecting. Sometimes the mentor comes in a package, you go, no way. And God says, yes way. Take that how you want to take that. (laughs) God has chosen a mentor for everyone, number three. So your mentor is nearby. You say, man, they're not. Pray about it. Someone say pray. When I run into a wall, I pray. Sometimes I'm getting good at this now because I've been mentored. I'm good at praying before I run into a wall. Now I go, God, there's a wall coming. I don't know how I'm going to get through that. I'm going to bust my forehead open on that wall. 
Lord, help me. Make straight the paths, all right? Number four, this is a powerful point. What are you waiting for? It's between you and God. There's no condemnation, nothing judgmental here. I just know what I've been through and what I've needed and what Scripture teaches. Scripture even says that Jesus submitted to his parents, his earthly parents. Have you ever caught that? You remember when they left him at the temple, they went two or three days away, and he was hanging out talking to the rabbis, and they said, man, this kid's brilliant. The questions and the answers he gave, they found him. They said, why have you done this to us, son? You know, mom, mom said, why have you done this? He said, didn't you know I'm going to be about my father's business? But Scripture says he returned with them and subjected himself. He submitted to his parents. He was God in the flesh. And he had mentors. He was the son of the carpenter, so that was most likely his trade. Powerful. What are you waiting for? And look, let me just say this. Let me just say this. I've been working on this message for a few weeks here on and off until I wrote it down this past week. When I ask you, what are you waiting for? Look, we've all been hurt, disappointed, mistreated, abused in some way. I know. I know. And I know you say, man, I had a mentor that didn't do just right, or I had a person in my life who was an authority figure, and they used that power to hurt me. Look, you move on, and God's going to give you the right people in your life. But you've got to make good decisions. How do you start making good decisions? Watch this. You ready? It's deep. You ready? Put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You put God first, I promise different things start to fall in place. You start to help God in some areas, having not prayed or getting impatient, you will make a mess of things, I promise. You need God, you need a mentor, you need people in your life. You know what scripture says? With the well-advised is wisdom. You know what else scripture says? Scripture says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. We've been believing God for a new home. And we're taking big steps. And you know, we did not do that secretly. We did not do that without talking to people who have experienced purchasing a home. Say, man, well, we've bought homes. I know. And I could go, yeah, this is my 10th or my 11th home, man. I know. Uh -uh, There's so much I need to know. So much I need to know. Every situation's different. And I know, people of God, I am human, given to like passions as you. Our natural propensity as humans is to say, I I got this. We need to just remember kids. Remember Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven. He basically saw these children. He said, these children, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is made up of hearts like this. Why did he say that? Kids are quick to say they're sorry. Kids are quick to say, would you help me? Even if they've been brats. Kids will go, it's broken. Did you fix it? Kids will go, I'm hungry. And that's what you got to do with your Heavenly Father. Say, Lord, I need it. I need your help. Show me. It all goes back to, look, you being, having your heart right with God. Let's go through these points again. Everybody needs some help. Someone say, everybody needs some help. Someone say, expect the unexpected in life. Number three, someone say, God has chosen a mentor for everyone. Wow, praise God. Number four, say, what are we waiting for? Praise God. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. Powerful story about Moses and Jethro. That's a very unique story. Always touches my heart because Moses was such a great man, but he was still so humble. 
there is anyone at the sound of my voice today who says, Pastor Matt, I have never in public ever accepted Jesus and made him the Lord of my life. If you've ever raised your hand before, don't raise it today for this particular call. You say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need to get right with God. Would you raise your hand? You say, I've never accepted Jesus before. Raise your hand. Okay, okay. Now, here's the second call. You say, I need, Pastor Matt, I've been struggling. I need to make sure I'm right with God. I've, I've had some missteps, some errors. I feel a ru- ru- little rough. Would you raise your hand today? Let's pray together. You say, man, I need help. I need, I need the Lord's help. God bless you for your courage. God bless y'all for your courage. Let's pray right now. Everybody in the house and online, repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I know that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. He died on the cross, and he rose again for me. But I need some help. I recommit myself to you, Lord. Forgive me. Say this, everybody. Say, forgive me in Jesus' name. I need your help, God. Thank you, Father, for hearing me. In Jesus' name, amen. I want everybody to look at me real quick. And if something in that message today touched you or was for you, I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to raise my hand first. There was something in that message for me today. I'm telling you right now. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's pray together as a family. We'll do something we haven't done in a while. If you don't mind, go ahead and grab hands with somebody. Say, man, I don't do that. Well, well, challenge yourself today. Grab hands with somebody. I want a show of unity. Before we pray together, I want to pray for this lovely family over here. Is moving out of state. I'm going to miss y'all. I'm not trying to make you cry. We'll cry together later. But I'm believing God they'll come back at some point. But this family's moving out of state. I love them so much. And um, we're going to pray for them. And then I'm going to pray for y'all. Let's just agree. For them right now, the blood of Jesus over Isaac and crew over here, Father, in Jesus' name, the blood of Jesus over y'all. May the Lord bless you and protect you, smile upon you and be gracious to you, give you of his favor and of his perfect peace. We release y'all in peace. Go in safety in Jesus' name. Right now, we agree as a church family. Come on and agree with me. Lord, bless them and protect them. Be with them. Connect. If they're meant to be over there for any amount of time, God, connect them with the right church, the right people, Lord God. And Lord, I just thank you. If it's in your plan or your will to bring them back, then do so safely, Father God, at some point. But I thank you that your hand is on them. They're blessed in the city and the field, coming in and going out. And I thank you, Lord, for their humble hearts. And I thank you, Lord, that they love you. And I thank you, Lord, they're going to continue to put you first. They are your people. Help them to continue to make great decisions for your kingdom as they put you first. Father God, go before them. Make the crooked places straight. Open doors so that no man can shut them. And shut some doors so that no man can open them, God. We thank you today. We praise you over their lives. The blood of the Lamb over them right now. In Jesus' name, God. In Jesus' name. Now, keep holding hands. Father, I declare a blessing over everyone in this house that received your word gladly and humbly, Lord God. You're doing stuff in their hearts, in my heart. And I thank you, Father, for those who joined us online today. Lord, you're doing something that is great. You said in your word, behold, I will do a new thing. Behold, I will do a new thing. God, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. But your methods change. You are always doing something fresh, like springs in the desert, God. Thank you. It's something fresh and new. Thank you, God, that the old things are being renovated and renewed and restored right now in our life. And, God, we're moving on. We're moving on. We're moving on to the next level. Thank you for your hope and your faith and your promises, God. 
We bless the name of the Lord today. Thank you that your word fell on good ground. In Jesus' name, somebody said, amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering today, if you would, please.